This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Welcome back. Welcome back to Wharton Moneyball. Two hours of sports analytics live every Wednesday morning, 8 to 10 Eastern. Cade Massey hosting this morning with the whole crew, Eric Bradlow, Adi Weiner, Shane Jensen. You can join the conversation. The number's 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can also email us, businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at WMoneyBall. At W Moneyball, we follow our guests. We tweet periodically about sports analytics. You can send us questions. You can send us over-unders for the last segment of the day. We are between our guests just off the phone with Ross Ollendorf, longtime Major League Baseball pitcher Ross Ollendorf, rolling into the next guest segment. We're going to have Bruce Feldman here. Delighted to have Bruce back on the show. Bruce, longtime reporter in college football world, now with Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated, He's also an author of multiple books, including one called The QB, The Making of Modern Quarterbacks. People always want to talk to Bruce when the NFL draft rolls around because the NFL draft is always led by quarterback conversations. Bruce, welcome to the show. Well, good morning, guys. Good to be on with you. Appreciate your taking time to be with us. You're on the East Coast somewhere, is that right? I am. I was at Nebraska yesterday, and I flew to Columbus, Ohio late last night. I'm going to spend a couple of days with uh, Ohio State. Oh, wow. All right. A couple of interesting programs these days, Different, very different um, recent histories in college football. But um, we're glad to have you over here because it's easier to get you than when you're on the West Coast. And again, thanks for taking the time. Are you tired yet of talking about the draft, and in particular, the quarterbacks in this draft? No, never tired about the draft. Is that right? I'm not, I'm not a fantasy sports guy, and you know, but I love, you know, I've always loved like kind of dra- the draft or recruiting and the whole evaluation process because it's really, to some degree, a crapshoot. And yeah. you know, I think when you have quarterbacks at the top of it, it just gets even more polarizing. Right. And this is one of the great quarterback crops. I mean, the people talk about 83 and then 99, and this is going to rival that for the number of QBs taken in the first round. What is your what is your assessment of the quarterback class? I mean, people are all over the map on this thing. They are. Um, you know, of the guys, the guy I'm most skittish of is Josh Allen from mm-hmm. Wyoming. Mm-hmm. He's the guy with the by far the biggest arm. He's an athletic, huge guy. But here's where it gives me pause is – his accuracy is really questionable. Uh, he struggled whenever he played, you know, even decent competition. His offense really struggled. And people can say, okay, well, they didn't have very good players around him. It's Wyoming. Last year they had like four guys on that offense in 2016 who ended up playing in the NFL. So it's not like he didn't have any players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're in the Mountain West. You're, you know, that's a league that, that Derek Carr lit up. That's a league that David Fales lit mm-hmm. up. Um, so, you know, how accurate is he, how well does he process things and and make adjustments when things are going that, that definitely would concern me. I'm not saying, you know, I I'm convinced he's going to be a complete bust, but he's the guy I would be most gun shy of, of this group. I think the one who has the, to me, the lowest bust factor is Sam Darnold. Okay. Uh, 
good athlete in the pocket, can really extend plays, playmaker, act, you know, anticipates well. He does have some turnover, you know, issues. He he's, you know, I think decision making's got to tighten up. But he's only been playing the really quarterback a couple of years, and you know, he had to adapt to a largely new group of receivers last year. They put the program on his back. I think he responds well to pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say he's going to be, you know, John Elway or anything like that. If you want to talk about the, you know, the, the draft class from eighty-three, right, right, yeah. right. You know, we're so influenced by our individual experiences. So I'm, I'm a Longhorn guy, and he and he drove USC down the field under pressure to take the game la- last year, and I've been scarred, but also kind of impressed by Darnell since. You're over there in Los Angeles. You get you get time around these guys, Rosen and Darnell, both out of the big LA schools. How do you think that kind of firsthand exposure affects your evaluation? What what are the pros and what are the are there any cons? Do you see some cons to being that familiar with them? Uh great question. I do. So the QB, that book I worked on, the book really ends with this quarterback crop. They're going they're at the time they were going to be high school seniors I was around them for a bunch. Josh Rosen and I live in the same town, so I know his family, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, there has been this talk about how Cal- Southern California and California doesn't produce quarterbacks. That class, there was a couple other quarterbacks in there were hyped up who had not, you know, have, have really struggled since then. One is Blake Barnett, who started out at Alabama. Is, you know, ended up at Arizona State. The other one was Ricky Town, who was actually right. a really hyped-up quarterback right. in the USC class. He he ended up leaving there in a hurry. Darnold flourished. He had bounced from Arkansas to a junior college. And um, but Rosen, I think this is where it can impact negatively a little bit. You know, I was around Josh, and when you're around somebody at 17 years old and you're interviewing them in these settings, you know, the kids aren't always have the most best perspective in how to handle it, you know, and I think with Josh, he's a no filter guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe now he's a low filter guy, but just, he would just kind of say whatever he thought. And it was, it was like, he was brutally honest. And sometimes he could say things where like, well, that's not that tactful or that was you mm-hmm. know, kind of sounded, I don't know if it sounded arrogant or it just sounded so confident. And look, he is super talented. Um, yeah, to me, he's the best passer in this class. He's mm-hmm. the best passer that's come out in a while. He's just, wow. everything looks smooth with him. He's really, really bright. Um, when I talked to some NFL quarterback coaches at the Combine, one of them said, you know, when I put them through, uh, you know, what we do with our protections and our terminology, I try to lose the quarterbacks because I want to see if they can keep up or how well they can keep up. So Josh Rosen was by far the sharpest guy. He knows mm-hmm. football inside and out. Um, you know, but people will, will, some people will ding him for his persona. I don't even mm-hmm. want to say it's his personality, but it's his persona. It's like kind of the image of what they think Josh Rosen is. You talk mm-hmm. to some of his teammates, you talk to guys who work with him, they don't get that reaction. But if you get like a quick snapshot of him, um, maybe you don't, maybe you're, you're unsure of how well he can lead a team and how well players will, other players will relate to him and how, you know, is he coachable? Um, I didn't get that vibe from the guys I know who actually coached him, though. Okay. So it, this this has to be one of the hard things about QB evaluations. There are so many factors to keep track of. I mean, there's always another consideration, and we're not good at considering, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12 variables. You've talked about being a good passer. We've talked about coaches evaluating his ability to process 
you know, what's going on in the field and intelligence, essentially. Now you're talking about leadership and teammate reaction. So let's just stay with that one for a second because it does seem to be an important one and possibly a differentiator across this year's class. We haven't talked about Baker Mayfield yet. What we know about Mayfield is that he can lead a team and we know that he is very fired up and, and seemingly like football's terrifically important to him in contrast to at least the knock on Rosen. What do you make of that quality? How how important do you think it is? And might it allow someone who might not be the biggest guy in the world, Mayfield, to actually succeed in the NFL? Yeah, I, I'm, I would not bet against Baker Mayfield. I, I was around him a bunch uh, covering games for Fox and so got to know him. I know that staff really well. But when the lights are on, he's on. I mean, he, he is the heartbeat of that program. Guys respond to him. You know, if he was 6'3", I think he'd be if he was six two. I think he'd be the first pick of the draft, yeah, no doubt. Right. Um, but you know, we've seen with Russell Wilson. We certainly seen with Drew Brees. Uh, you can you can thrive in the NFL if you are off the charts or at the top of the charts in other aspects. And I think Baker is. You know, I I, I think some of the maturity is a, is a legitimate concern, but I don't know. I wouldn't. You know, he's not Johnny Manziel. I knew, you know, and you can go into the book, uh, the QB, about Manziel and some of the, you know, I talked to one personnel guy about Johnny, and Johnny had major off-field issues that ended up manifesting itself in disaster in Cleveland. Um, I don't think, Baker doesn't have those issues, and if he has some issues, you know, I don't think it's it's in the realm of ooh, this is this is a guy we should take off our draft board. Right, I, Bruce. This uh, this is Eric Brothers, and this is an analytics show. I have a analytics, but a what the eye test does for you question. So, Kay just talked about all the variables that one might want to use to predict the success of quarterbacks. In your experience, with all the testing we have today and all the measurables, what's not measurable? Why is it important as you travel the country and get to know these players? What can we not just tell from a bunch of IQ tests, Wonderlick tests, you know, 40 time lifting? You know, you can measure the release time now. What's not measurable? What's not measurable, I think, is how quickly they process and when they know where to go with the ball mm-hmm. and how they respond to pressure. I'm not just talking about like to pressure necessarily when they're being rushed. But how they can, when the lights are bright, I, I, I go back to this anecdote early on. There was a guy who coached Brett Favre and also coached and recruited Johnny Manziel, you know, a longtime quarterbacks coach. And he said, you know, we had a guy, there was a guy I worked with, and this turned out to be Rick Meyer, who he said, you know, looked great and all these other things. But when the lights came on, he just couldn't really see it that well. Wow. And that's an issue. You know, one of the things that I think analytics get better at is, so we can look at the number of, of, of uh, accuracy and, and completion percentage, but what exactly is, you know, 55%? Is 55% in one offense the same as 65% in another offense where it's dink and dunk and it's a, it's, maybe it's in a conference where the defense is, is very suspect? Um, what kind of throws? You know, like, I think if I was in this business where my livelihood depended on drafting quarterbacks, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to look at every throw they made. And, you know, just because the pass is completed, and I, I did a game, our crew did a uh, Ohio State game against uh, Army at, like, week three this year. And J.T. Barrett is in this draft, and he's a quarterback who 
is not a great passer downfield. You know, he's a good leader. He was the only three-time captain in the history of the school. You know, he completed, a, I want to say we might have been like two for eight on passes that I would consider downfield. Mm. But one of those passes, it was completed, but like the guy had to catch it sitting down. He was open. It was just like, <laughs> you know, I think when, you know, there are certain things, and analytics get better with this, but it's not like you can necessarily put it in a tweet where you can say, okay, so-and-so completed 58% of their passes. You know, that's a snapshot of it. Right, right. I think to get a better window of it, you have to see, okay, what, what was that throw? Um, yeah, it was caught, but was it on the money? Was it, you know, was it a wide-open guy? You know, in college, you know, wide-open is way different than it was in NFL. Right. You know, I remember going back to working on the book, I was out with Johnny Manziel had Cam Cameron out there helping him, and Cam Cameron was like, he stood in front of me, as like an example, and he goes, Johnny, in college, and he was like within like two or like eight feet of me, he goes, in college, this is open. And then he goes, in the NFL, this is open. And he had, you know, Anquan Bolden, and he goes, you just throw it, that's Anquan Bolden, he's open if somebody's <laughs> on you. And right. it just, you know, I think for some guys, they can't adjust to it because do they trust it? And I go back to a guy like uh, E.J. Manuel, when you talk to him, he's really thoughtful and a, a likable guy. And the thing I'd always heard was, you know, he really didn't trust, you know, he had to see it and trust it. And just like some guys can't get past that. Right, right. Bruce, last year you were intrigued by Pat Mahomes, and um, he apparently has some confidence. He's earned some confidence in Kansas City. What was it about him that caught your attention? And what do you think we've learned about him so far, and and what can we can we extract anything about that? Can we can we what do we learn about the NFL draft that Pat Mahomes, who was under the radar for a long time, might might um, make it in the NFL as a starting quarterback? Well, what what intrigued me most? So Pat has a huge arm, you know, almost as strong I would say, you know, as our Wyoming guy Josh Allen. But he could make so many off platform throws and grew up kind of aspiring to be Aaron Rodgers throwing against his body, you know, he was a baseball player, he's a really good basketball player, and just things where unconventional stuff, where he was so raw, and Cliff Kingsbury was basically just like, hey, go play. You know, like he was kind of, Pat Mahomes was kind of a rules breaker, not off the mm-hmm. field, he's a, you know, honor student and a nice kid, mm-hmm. but just in terms of what they would do scheme-wise, and he ended up overtaking Davis Webb, who's a talented quarterback in his own right, mm-hmm. um, and I think what's got to be noted with Pat, especially at Texas Tech, they had a horrific defense, arguably the worst in all the country. <laughs> right. And to be the quarterback of a team where you have, you know, if you're not perfect every series, you're probably going to lose. I think that's a ton of pressure to put on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, couple all that together, um, you know, he's intrigued. Now, can he learn? Can he rewire his brain? Because he had told me, you know, there are plays before the ball is snapped. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he's not saying, I know exactly what I'm going to do because I've looked at the defense, I've evaluated everything. He's just like, in his head, he's predetermined. I'm just going to take off and run now because mm-hmm. that's the way I'm feeling it. As opposed to, I look over here, I see the coverage, and this is open. And his instincts, I think, where Aaron Rodgers had talked about, and great deal we've talked about this, you know, when, when he was talking about how he learned from Brett Favre by studying him and the stuff he would experiment with on the, against the scout team on Friday, Aaron Rodgers could rewire his brain. I, that's very hard to do. I, can Pat Mahomes do it? We'll see. I mean, obviously Andy Reid's a, a believer. I think that's going to be a very fun experience, experiment to watch. I remember you're reporting that 
you talked to a, a QB coach or, or, a, or a scout, a well-placed guy in the NFL, who said there's no way this guy's going to win. Like, he was so short, Mahomes. So he was, he was one of these divisive candidates. This takes us back to the, the beginning of the conversation. Why, what is so hard about QB evaluations? But how, did they, how did those guys who spend a lifetime evaluating QBs, and we're not saying Mahomes is going to be you know, a pro bowler yet, but they seem, I mean, that strong an opinion was wrong if, the KC, if KC just traded yeah. away Alex Smith. Yeah, and I you know, remember exactly where I was at the combine. It was a Saturday night over drinks, and I was surprised. And this is a really highly regarded uh, NFL coach who had told me this. Um, and I still go back. Like I've, I've mentioned this to, to my colleague on our podcast, The Audible, just about um, the context of that, because you have people all over the board. And that person was like, I wouldn't even draft him. Right, you know, just exactly. like was just so turned off by what he saw in terms of he just doesn't think he could play in the NFL. And it's not like, you know, you take a guy off your draft board because, you know, a few years ago there was a big junior college receiver who went to Auburn who was like a mess at the combine. And I remember thinking, okay, why would anybody draft him, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. because of his baggage. That's right. not, Pat Mahomes has no baggage. But it was just... This person was convinced when you have this um, mindset and this is how you play, it doesn't translate to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. Andy Reid's one of those guys where, and there aren't a ton of them, but maybe it's, there's been a little morphing to the college game a little bit. I don't know if it's been overstated, but maybe there is a little more openness to this. And, and uh, again, like I said, it's, it's going to be an interesting experiment. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see, you know, that guy – Maybe that guy will be proven right in the end, and maybe Pat won't right. could shine be. in the NFL. Could be. Could be. All right. Listen, Bruce, thanks for taking time out of your trip. Appreciate your making it. Appreciate, appreciate your making it back to the show. We love the work that you do. We wish you the best with it going forward. My pleasure. Always good to talk to you guys. It's, I really enjoy the kind of process you guys are about. It's unique, and it's, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, you know, it keeps getting more and more traction. Thanks, Bruce. Much appreciated. That was Bruce Feldman, longtime college football reporter. He's with Fox Sports and Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Bruce Feldman CFB, at Bruce Feldman CFB. He also has a fantastic podcast podcast called The Audible, co-hosted with uh, Stuart, Stuart Mandel. So Bruce is on with Stuart Mandel on The Audible College Football Podcast. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.